You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon, aka DJ Twist Top. Twist. Okay, all right. We'll I did that. Whatever. It's not my best. <laughs> They're not all gems. They're not all going to be winners. Yeah, yet. whatever. And welcome to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we rip off the rose-colored glasses regarding your favorite movies from the 1990s to the early to mid 2000s. It's been a pretty big week for the show. Um, we are now available on iTunes, if you haven't heard. Dude, we're too legit, too legit to quit. Too legit to quit at this point. So uh, There's no excuse for you not to download anymore. No, absolutely not. If you hated Podbean, um, we love Podbean. We do. Thank you but, very much, Podbean. Yeah, thank you, Podbean. But... Uh, I know a lot of people have been having difficulties with the app, so we are now available on iTunes and actually, I think, on a couple other uh, podcasting apps. So I feel professional. I'm all, I think I might wear a tie from now on. Continue to download that, but uh, that's besides the point. Brandon, tell us, what are we doing tonight? So we're going to 1997, a film that I've been uh, asking you to do for quite some time now. I'm not even kidding. Brandon has been pushing for this movie i think every week and we're finally gonna do it we're finally gonna do it it's mouse hunt okay Uh, 1997 dark family comedy and i will emphasize the dark (laughs) i remember when we talked about this last week we were talking about how this movie if you remember it from when you were younger it even then it just came off as really dark yeah and I, I was a huge fan of uh, Nathan Lane. I loved his mm-hmm. voice. I also had seen The Birdcage. I don't remember if you know that one. Robin Williams, both yes. the two gay uh, club owners, played by uh, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. I saw that really young for some reason, and so I just like always had a like a fondness for Nathan Lane. I've always just like I don't know what that says about me or who I am or really because I, I would have thought that the draw for you in this movie would have been Lee Evans. <laughs> Said no one Said ever. no one in the history of any movie ever. So yeah, this is a two-hander. It's uh, basically Laurel and Hardy. It's three stooges, but there's only two of them. It's Abbott Nathan and Costello. Lane. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's a very pratfall, slapstick-heavy uh, family comedy, and I really forgot how much they rely on just slapstick pratfalls. Uh, do you remember when this movie came out? So I didn't see this in theaters, but it was a movie that I owned on VHS and had watched a bunch, dude. And this is a movie that no one ever talks about anymore. And so I feel like when I bring it up to people, you almost forget. And it's had a few reissues on uh, DVD. And so the cover's always changing. There's also a lot of uh, debate over if Mouse Hunt is one word or two words. Because some sites listed as one. It's really weird. And just, I feel like it's a forgotten film from the late 90s that uh, deserved a rewatch. I Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll get to the end we'll of that. Get we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll debate sure. that. But I do remember seeing this in movie or movie theaters, and only in movie theaters. Wow. Um, because did not even then didn't deem it necessary to go out and rent a mouse hunt. Really interesting. Go back and see it. So this was the first time I think since what did you say 1997. Ninety-seven. So since I was in- really really young. This is the first time I've seen it. So this. Uh, Cost $38 million to make, made $61 million in the U.S., so it made its budget back, but was actually a pretty big hit and made $122 million worldwide. Wow. So this was 27th at the box office that year for 1997. Just to give you a taste of what was the top five, okay, we got Titanic, Men in Black, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Liar Liar, and Air Force One. Boy, 1997. What a time was, to be uh, alive. Just a home run of a year for <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, so all the way number down at 27 is Mouse Hunt. It's got a 6.4 on IMDb and a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So 
first, before we get into what this movie's about and the, and the scene by scene, I just want to read you what IMDb describes this film. This is the synopsis, okay? And I'm going to read it as if it was being read in a trailer back in 1997. Okay. Two stumble-bum inheritors are determined to rid their antique house of a mouse who is equally determined to stay where he is. Mouse hunt. Okay, we're definitely going to touch on... <laughs> Exactly what that synopsis is about because it's a it touches a lot on like the idea that the mouse is in on this plot. Okay, not only that, this is the tagline, and this makes no sense to me. You don't need to be big to be a hero. Is the mouse the hero? Oh my god! After watching this movie, you literally don't know. Like, there is no way to connect that tagline to anything that happens in this movie. Uh, Crazy little bit of trivia here. This is only the third time moviegoers ever saw that goddamn kid cast off of the DreamWorks logo. This is their third film. This is their first family film. And I think when you think of DreamWorks, you typically think of them as a family-oriented studio. They've definitely had a bunch of adult hits. And well, it, they do really well at movies that your kid can go watch and enjoy, but also the parents kind of enjoy it. Like, I think of Shrek when I think, think of DreamWorks. For sure. So this is their third film after The Peacemaker and Amistad, okay? But it was before... Do you remember Polly? That was their fourth film. Yes, it was the I talking parrot. Oh, my Jay God. Moore and Tony Shalhoub. That that could We're be a film. We're gonna talk about a really yeah, dark sure. family film. I hated that film. <laughs> uh Polly, Deep Impact, and of course Small Soldiers, which if you have not heard our episode on that, go check out the feed. On iTunes. But uh yeah, man, so let's get into it. Mouse Hunt. What was your history with this other than seeing it that one time in theaters? What was your thoughts on it? I mean, that's it. I it really didn't stand out to me even as a kid as a movie that was you know, I don't remember leaving Bored, I just very forgettable to me. Okay, okay. And and what about you? I would say it was unforgettable for me, <laughs> of course, because you've been pushing for this movie for literally no. weeks. So I, I probably haven't seen this in a good eight to ten years. And I remember going into it this time. I just remember really enjoying the music. I thought that the the two leads had a good chemistry from what I remembered, and um, I remember that it was directed by Gore Verbinski, who's had a crazy weird career. He started off with Mouse Hunt. This is his first film. Then he did The Mexican, The Ring. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 1, 2, and 3, The Weatherman, he won an Oscar for Rango, and then most recently he did The Lone Ranger, ugh, and A Cure for Wellness, which was batshit crazy this year. <laughs> really weird movie. But uh, but yeah, he's kind of run the gamut, and what I will say about this movie, it's incredibly well shot. Yes, this movie has a lot of ups and downs in terms of what's good and what's bad, because it is a very well shot movie. It doesn't look bad. It looks like they took a lot of time to make it. There's just a plethora of other things wrong. But before we jump too far into it, I just want to discuss one thing that we noticed while we were putting the disc in to watch. Um, on the box, the little blurbs that tell you it's a great movie. Yeah. Who's, let's let's get a sighting on some of the... Do you happen to have the, the DVD here? I do not have the case on me, but what I can remember are that, is that both of the blurbs, one of which was a comedic masterpiece... Mm-hmm. And something on the other side that said, like, irreverent and fun or something like that. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, both by radio DJs, I think local. Yeah, <laughs> local, local radio, radio DJs. DJs. Not like Roger Ebert or... <laughs> Roger Ebert actually specifically gave this film two stars. I remember uh, looking this up in my research and he said that the special effects were pretty terrible and that... Um, at no point could the film have worked as a comedy because the the pieces of comedy are not there. <laughs> like, and I'll kind of agree with him. At the, at, at, it's, it's a film that should not be funny, and they wring every ounce of uh, anything you can get out of this premise. Like, 
a, such a simple premise, they literally take it to the most extreme you can get with it. It's weird the kind of star power that they milk out of this movie, too, because as we mentioned, Nathan Lane is in it, but Christopher Walken's in yes. this movie. Um Lee Evans, dude, your favorite? <laughs> dude, a comedic master <laughs> actor, uh, Lee Evans. The only thing I had seen him in up to that point was There's Something About Mary. Yeah, and that's pretty much all that's you need much to all know. That's pretty much all he did, really He did bad. The Medallion with Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah, The Medallion, Anyone remembers that? Everyone remembers The Medallion. Yeah. Everybody remembers The Medallion. <laughs> dude, I'm going to get a tattoo of Lee Evans on my back. I know you will. Today. All right, so let's start it off. And normally this is where we say, hey, this is where the film takes place. This is the location. This is the year. But guess what, people? I looked this up actually on Wikipedia as well because we were confounded as to what year this goddamn movie takes place. So everybody's wearing clothing that reminds you of the 1920s, 1930s, you know, fedoras. uh, Everybody's in these sharp, snappy tuxes or suit jackets the cars as well are all vintage like fords back from like when they first started coming out back in like the 40s and shit but they have all of this ridiculous modern technology like uh there's news crews at one point and they're all holding modern day equipment there's a high-tech surveillance camera some of the equipment that christopher walken uses in this movie it's like yeah it's it's like the 90s it's like a drone that he uses at one point like this little rc drone it's insane very weird so and this was something that i just kept bringing up the entire movie i couldn't stay focused because i couldn't figure out what year this damn movie takes place. It almost seems like Lee Evans and Nathan Lane are in different eras because Nathan Lane is almost acting as if he's in like the the 50s or 60s like a smooth talking gangster almost and Which he's Lee very Evans is doing like a Jim Carrey like current hyper stylized weird it's just very strange. But but what I will say is they actually work off each other fairly well. I think their chemistry mm-hmm. like holds up for the most part. I am not going to disagree with that. I think uh casting wasn't the issue in this movie. But well, yeah, maybe. According to the the, the date in which this place takes time uh, takes place rather uh, wikipedia says the film is set in a humorously a humorously indeterminate 20th century time period with styles ranging from the 1940s to the 70s and the 90s so it just makes no sense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we start off at this funeral. It's raining. As, as any good comedy would. I love it. Yeah, no, any good family film, you immediately want to introduce kids to the concept of death. They're carrying their father uh, down this like steep <laughs> staircase. And uh, during this rain, they wind up squabbling, which is something they do through the entire film. is back and forth, <laughs> just them going at it. <laughs> and he, they wind up falling. Uh, the handle winds up ripping off. And this sends this body... Flying down the staircase, shooting off of a, the uh, the hearse that's like going to carry it away, and then flying, sending the body twenty feet in the air, and then down a sewer pipe, and that's the opening to the movie. That's before our credits, ladies and gentlemen. And no one is like embarrassed by that. They're just like, oh no, mistake. Whoops. Moving on. Yeah. Like- and then we get into this title sequence that I like the animation, but dude, I also really love this music. The theme that is throughout this entire movie. The music's done by Alan Silvestri, who's done a lot of Robert Zemeckis stuff so like back to the future and castaway i love this score dude and i love the theme it's like fun and energetic and like wily and sneaky and i just i really like i want to reiterate this movie is not poorly made it's just absurd absolutely yeah and the absurdity continues to just ramp up with each ticking minute by but what i will say is for a kid's movie called Mouse Hunt with a mouse all over the movie. You actually don't get the mouse for 20 minutes. The first 20 minutes is <laughs> yeah. just setting up who these two brothers are. And yeah, they're they're kind of bumbling. One well in the beginning, Nathan Lane is a very successful chef. Yep. Uh, he owns his own restaurant that he's put his entire life savings in. And his brother, Lee Evans, is kind of uh 
a bumbling kind of fool who's taken over for the the family business, which is Schmunz String, their father, played by William Hickey, who this was his final performance, and you can tell he oh is my looking God. weathered. So they do a flashback at one point with William Hickey, who plays their father, and I mean, he's his skin is very tight on his bones. He just looks old. He looks like he's barely getting the lines out. Yep. Um, which is, I mean and forgive the unsensitivity here it's perfect for the scene because he's on his deathbed it really is and and he like he's a good actor it's just kind of sad to watch him read his lines and, yeah. and ironically he was dying of emphysema when his character uh died in mouse hunt left half a box of smoked cigars to his son which is cool. in the care in the movie very sad but anyway yeah he leaves behind pretty much their this decrepit kind of outdated string factory which is still kind of in operation as well as this uh dilapidated mansion to his two sons that's all he leaves other than his lucky piece of string uh which is a plot point throughout the film and uh this box of cigars which also comes back into it later on uh kind of leading to the downfall of nathan lane's profession so uh just to kind of get the exposition over with uh nathan lane uh really isn't you know he's not interested in any of this he he's got his restaurant he's not getting any money from his father's will because the string factory isn't doing well very cynical he wants to sell it he wants to sell the mansion his brother won't let him he moves on but he takes the cigar box and takes it to his restaurant where the mayor of the city i believe is coming to eat i i can't remember what city they're in yeah he's the mayor and apparently he's the most important person ever and this restaurant by the way very fancy very fancy yeah uh serving a whole flaming duck yeah duck set a flame that's <laughs> what type of food you're getting here so you know he's talented at what he does but so uh through a comedic you know Mishap, mishap because that's this whole movie this whole dude, movie is, is just mishaps. mishap after another um a cockroach gets into the food the mayor ends up uh biting into a cockroach and having a heart attack he's an over like an obese man yeah and yeah he winds up dying that's we're, we're like 10 minutes into the movie and two people have died two people have died <laughs> no mouse two people dead though <laughs> And both of them not really played for laughs either, for the most part. Not really. They're strictly plot points. Like, it moves it along because Nathan Lane gets his restaurant shut down. He then becomes uh, out on his luck and homeless. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, Lee Evans, his wife, who's kind of like been, I guess they've been together since high school. She's played by Deborah Christopherson. Christopherson? Maybe Christopherson. Anyway, uh, she's kind of like... You could tell her true intentions, though, is she wants more money, and she's sick of living this life with him because he's kind of a he's, he's a loser. <laughs> They're both kind of losers. Pretty much the only woman in this movie, too, by the way. Also, and yeah, she tre- plays a villain. Yeah, this would not pass the uh, Beckdale test, for sure. Absolutely not. So um, she leaves him. Throws him out of his house, so they're both homeless. So they go to live in the mansion that their father left them, and this is when we are finally, finally, about 20 minutes into this movie, introduced to the mouse now they first find some blueprints in the attic of this house which revealed that this is a missing bill or essentially uh, an important building built way back when and it's by this famous architect named charles lyle larue charles lyle larue charles lyle LaRue. i can't believe i'm standing in the missing larue everyone seems to know who this architect is and how important he is except for the two main characters but the first night that they sleep in this house, uh, they hear this scratching coming from the attic, which is where they kind of prompts them to find the blueprints. But immediately we were introduced to this little mouse. 
And the mouse doesn't seem like much of anything right now, but let me tell you something. This mouse has magical powers beyond what Jerry from Tom and Jerry could even He's I mean, smarter like, he's than human crazy. beings. He is. It, it's it's shocking what this mouse is capable of doing. But so they get the blueprints and then they show everybody the house and instead and this oh, <laughs> immediately. Yeah, this, this is when be, I again could have been twenty five minutes long. This is when I started to get frustrated. So everybody's marveling at this house and a buyer comes in and says, "I'm going to make you an offer right now." And greedy Nathan Lane says, "No." We're going to hold an auction. Mm-hmm. Now, Alexander Falco, this is this guy's, this collector's name, he offers him 10 million bucks to uh, sell him the house right then and there. And if he does so, the movie would end. That's the end of the movie. End because of the movie. no more troubles, no more nothing. Whatever this mouse does is saddled with this new guy and we don't have to watch it. Yep. But, but that's not what happens, that's not what happens because greed is terrible. Greed is his undoing. And that's really the character arc of Nathan Lane. What that- we later learn. That is character progression. But honestly, it's not because these characters don't change at all. Yeah, really, nobody when you learned, think about it, nobody no learns one learns anything from movie. the end of this movie. Anyway, <laughs> God. So they they decide to hold an auction instead to try and milk money out of this house and start restoring it. So as they're restoring it, they're trying to kill the mouse because they, you know there's a mouse running around. He's a stubborn occupant. He doesn't want to leave and. Um, yeah, again, what starts off is just like we got to kill this mouth, eh, mouth, escalate, mouse escalates to all out anarchy, dude. This it, this movie goes so far over the top. So we won't go scene by scene because there's just too many times of just comedic slapstick where they're trying to kill the mouse. But I do want to mention this first scene because uh, the mouse steals an entire wheel of Gouda cheese. Not like a small wheel of cheese, an entire giant wheel of Gouda cheese and eats it in the span of what, maybe a night? Yeah, and it doesn't change size either. He then gets into cereal, eats a ton of cereal, gets into a second box of cereal, eats a ton of cereal. How how is this mouse not died? Again, this mouse must have some... Dude, there's something that's touched this mouth that's mouse... I keep saying mouth. It's making me feel weird. Somebody... Something has touched this mouse to make it otherworldly because it is capable of feats that are out of the... It's in, it's insane. So uh, they start dumping in a lot of money just to kill this mouse. And that's the other thing that keeps flipping and flopping back and forth is their, their money situation. Because at times, they're completely broke. They have nothing in their bank account. And then Nathan Lane's coming home with a tub that he somehow had the $1,200 for that they borrowed against the house. But the house is worth the exact amount that they owed on it. It's ridiculous. But they keep coming up with money for mouse traps. for instance. There's an entire scene where they lay an, the entire kitchen floor with hundreds of mouse the traps. The entire foundation with mouse traps. Oh, man. What's interesting is also uh, no digital effects were used to make that scene, which means that they literally and they had to do it like multiple takes that they literally hand by hand, like did every single one, which must have I'm actually pretty impressed by that. It's crazy. But again, this is one of those scenes where once all of them go off because the mouse has this really long convoluted run up the like, you know, navigates the maze of, of of traps and goes up the kitchen sink and then winds up launching a cherry, which the stem sets off all of the traps and then they start rolling around on top of them. It, 
I mean, it's slapstick at its finest. It's literally just like they're panicking and they're bumbling, so they're falling on all these mouse traps that are setting off on their on their heads and like all over their bodies and it looks so painful and stupid and then they just start chasing the mouse and they're running into things and they're breaking things so as they're trying to renovate this house and killing the mouse at the same time they are destroying the house this this movie i think i made this comparison before we started it's like tom and jerry meets money pit with tom hanks yeah and a little home alone and a little home alone yep yeah no that's all it is with the mouse so after they're all covered in mouse traps from this violent and horrific <laughs> scene of mayhem uh they're chasing it around with a vacuum cleaner trying to suck it up wind up shoving it into the mouse hole and inadvertently into the sewer pipe and sucking pounds of human fecal matter from I mean, the sewage system. And we just got to point out that this is a house that has been unused. Unoccupied. Whose shit is for, that? Whose shit is decades, that? And it's got so much shit that it overfills a vacuum and splatters all over the place. Yeah, like pounds of it. Was that all Nathan Lane and Lee Evans in the span, in the span of, three of two days? or three days? They need help. Something needs to happen. Disgusting. So now that nothing's working, they decide, all right, let's go get a cat. <laughs> so they go to the city pound, which is met with screams by this little girl who's screaming like, please don't take her. It's like a horror film shot. Yeah. like, And they're coming out in hazmat suits. They've been de-loused. <laughs> yeah. That's where like the modern surveillance camera is. Yep. It looks like a high security prison. Yeah. Or somewhere where they're trying to find the cure for Ebola. <laughs> but it's a it's the city pound, and they walk in, and they're all like kittens. Yep. So it gets it's just getting darker and darker, darker and with darker every step. And so they're looking for a mean, aggressive cat, possibly with some mental illness. By the way, Nathan Lane sells a lot of his lines. Like anything that's written that could have be could be possibly funny, Nathan Lane manages to. Sp- in it as to its most funny you know what nathan I mean? lane is fantastic in general he's he's good in this movie i i will hold that he is the funniest part of this movie yeah for sure for sure now what's interesting do you know who the pound owner was played by no that's uh that's ernie sabella who's the voice of pumbaa Oh, my God. Which there was also another Lion King reference later on in the movie where he walks by the Sheik and he says uh, Hakuna Matata. At least two Lion King references in this movie. Well, I mean, how else did you know Nathan Lane at this point if you were a younger person? Yep. Yeah. So they get the cat and its name is Catzilla. (laughs) And immediately they take it into the house and they... They, like, goad the cat a little bit, and the cat, like, breaks through this wooden crate. Yeah, both of its legs, all four of its legs are running out, so you only see the legs in the box, and it's, like, walking around. Because they really build up the suspense of what this cat is going to look like. Yeah. And once you finally see it, you bust a goddamn gut, because it's the most hilariously mangy, gross-looking cat puppet It's the worst puppet ever seen, and I almost wonder if they did this on purpose. If it is, that's a great gag. It's hilarious. It's a funny, funny funny gag. Because he literally explodes through the box, and it's like, like and it's like slow motion. Yeah, Yeah, it looks like like Godzilla, so it's a very good, (laughs) but anyway, there's this Tom and Jerry sequence where, literally, Tom and Jerry, where the mouse is running around, and the cat's chasing it, and the, the mouse... Where, this is when you really start to see the intelligence of the mouse, I guess, is pushing all these mouse traps in a row and then leading the cat through the mouse traps so it'll step on all yeah. the mouse traps. Did it set those traps? Because all the traps have gone off. And yeah. where did if it didn't, that means that they I, dude, again, they're giving so much credit to this mouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, it is the 
smartest mouse in the world, smarter than most humans. Um, so they're getting chased around. Yeah, they're destroying yeah, they go everything. A, yeah, they go through a piano, and somehow the the mouse tricks the cat into going into the laundry chute or something, and it falls through the house and I guess explodes at the bottom or oh, something. Oh yeah, the dumb waiter. Yeah, literally like d- yeah. dies. It must yeah. die. Cat must end. just yeah. die because you never hear or see anything from this cat again. Yeah, because the because the mouse sabotages a dumb waiter. What is happening? So two people have died. One cat has died, and a little girl has also lost her pet. Um, but the mouse is funny. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when they finally decide. All right, we gotta. We need professional help. So they decide to hire an exterminator, played by Christopher Walken. No, he, and he, he walkins the hell out of this. The role. mouse is in the house. The best part of this, and I like, there are genuine laughs in this movie that you cannot help but laugh at. Like I feel like you could probably. You sit through this stone face if you wanted to, if you're a cynical dick. But the part right here where he, they first are introduced to him and he starts, like, trying to figure out what's going on in the house, he, once he realizes that it is a mouse, he, they start having a fake conversation as if the mouse is hearing. And so, <laughs> so yeah, he, like, he tells them that he's going to fix the asbestos and then makes them pretend to walk You got a lot of stair. asbestos in the walls. And they <laughs> they could fix it in an hour or so. <laughs> And then they go, they pretend to like walk up the stairs, and he's like, All right, the mouse is gone. Yeah, no, yeah, they're like still whispering. He's like, Why are you whispering? The mouse isn't listening anymore. It thinks we've got upstairs. Yeah, because yeah, he it's assumes- ridiculous. But anyway, so the, then, oh man, this, this movie's just absolute lunacy. It's kind of like a live action Looney Tunes, really, for the most part. And it's because we've also failed to mention the part where they rode down the hill in the uh, tub that he got earlier because that plays a part later on when he's rocketed out of a chimney. But we're not there yet. We're still yeah, with Christopher yeah, Walken. There's a lot to cover. But so um, Christopher Walken is now set hellbent on trying to get this mouse out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dude. I'm done. Just all to do. All and. Up. Yeah, that's that's it. Um, and he eats mouse poop, and he's like, he's like, it's definitely a mouse. It's an old mouse, maybe a calcium deficiency. He says that. That's an actual line. He, he eats the mouse poop and says that the mouse has a calcium deficiency, which I will argue to the day I die, because not a day before that mouse ate an entire wheel of cheese, pounds of cheese, pounds of cheese. <laughs> that's calcium one thing. That, yeah. If anything, no. he's got too much calcium. <laughs> ridiculous so this is the craziest shit because the way he sabotages this this uh, exterminator is is like kaiser soze level manipulation yeah so he he got this like uh, surveillance system that he's wheeling through this little tiny camera so he can see inside the walls to try to see from the mouse perspective because this whole thing is you got to think like a mouse mm-hmm. so once he finds out that the mouse meanwhile takes the camera, runs it out to his car, and attaches it to a winch that's on his van or whatnot, sets the thing off so that Christopher Walken gets the most... It's so violent. He gets just ripped through this house. Like, his face is smashing through floorboards, through the walls, through the stairs, destroying so much. Meanwhile, just to keep you updated, Nathan Lane is out trying to sell the string factory behind his brother's back. Yep. Uh, doesn't work out because he ends up getting hit by a bus. Also, uh, like, this is serious. So they're driving back to the house after getting Nathan Lane out of the hospital. And they're greeted with, you know, fire engines and yeah, ambulances. Police, police, like, it's taped off. Um, and it's because the 
this exterminator Christopher Walken is getting is getting taken off in an ambulance. Like he's severely hurt. He's burned, and he's like he's, mumbling nonsense, just like gibbering about. Yeah, like he's gone crazy. Yeah, and they play a tape recording that apparently the mouse recorded the mouse either recorded this or it was recorded somehow by christopher walken's character but what's hilarious is he's like it's like muffled screams he's like put that down and then you hear this loud like oh oh, like screaming and like just getting beaten up by a mouse (laughs) like he's being tortured by a mouse or something oh my god nathan lane is playing this off so well it's so good because nathan lane is is like almost stone faced while he's genuinely concerned lee evans is doing terrible lee evans is also wearing like a pink frilly lace thing because we failed to mention that his wife has now heard wind of this auction and wants back in the marriage yes and uh so she said Seduces him in this whole convoluted where he winds up getting his clothes ripped off by the the string, string. machines because he they want to take the money that they owe the bank uh, out of the like salaries of their workers essentially so they're doing all the work for free and oh man it's, it's, it's really unimportant it's really just to let you know that things aren't going well for them if this mouse destroying their house hasn't tipped you off already their stress levels must be through the roof so. They're at this point where they're just arguing. They're trying ridiculous things to get this mouse. And finally, they they knock the mouse out. Yeah, so in this squabble where they, everything kind of comes to a head where they're like, he finds out that he was trying to sell the company. And uh, Lee Evans tells him pretty much that he, you know, he, he didn't want to sell the company. They're going back and forth. And Lee Evans throws an orange at Nathan Lane. He ducks and it winds up finally smashing into this mouse. And you think the mouse is dead. It's, again, not played for laughs. It's very, like, <laughs> like you're like a back crack yeah, the noise. the mouse is, like, dead. knocked out. It's, like, breathing really heavy. Yep. It looks injured. There's even a cracking sound when, you, when he throws the orange yeah. at it. It sounds like they just snapped the mouse's neck. Um, but So it's still breathing, though, and you can tell. So they go to try and kill it with the shovel, but they both are humans, and this is a children's movie. You're not going to show them bashing a mouse. Bashing a mouse. After, <laughs> by the way, they've just tried to shoot it with a shotgun. Oh, um, yeah, put holes throughout the floor. Yeah, yeah again. But <laughs> so they, do- they decide not to shoot it. Instead, they put it in a box, and they ship it off to Fidel Castro in Cuba, which, again... When does this movie take know, place? Twenties, thirties, Fidel War? Castro. I don't know. <laughs> what is happening? So there's no holes in the box as well, and that's kind of a plot point as well. They even say that there's no holes yep. in the box. So it gets shipped to. Uh, meanwhile, as it's on its way to Cuba, uh, <laughs> I can't even say. I believe I said that. Uh, they're trying to get ready for this auction. So they're cleaning up the house, fixing up everything that they need to do uh, for their opening night, which, by the way, they do a massive amount of renovations with very little money in no time with two people. And they're not even carpenters. I don't even know how this happens because they've also, we failed to mention that they blew up the entire floor when they put a hole, a shotgun shell through this giant bug bomb that literally exploded. Yeah, that Christopher Walken left over. It's, I mean... None of this makes matters because, again, you could have skipped all the way to the end and nothing... Nothing we cannot go through this, through every single ridiculous thing they do. But uh, so they get ready for the auction. The house looks pretty nice, except for some reason the wallpaper still looks shitty. Yeah. Which we noticed it. I don't know. Stupid. Doesn't matter. Fidel Castro gets the mouse, but there's no postage on it, so he sends it back. Yeah, was it him, or was it, I guess, yeah, his people. I guess his handlers get it, and they're like, no postage. Americans try to trick us, so they just send it back. And then uh, during this auction, as it's starting, Lee Evans winds up finding the box uh, outside, don't know how long it's been there, but it's in the middle of winter. Because, by the way, this movie takes place at Christmas. We failed to mention that. Yeah. But there's a lot of Christmas caroling and all that shit in here. Yeah. Uh, 
but it's chewed out. There's a hole through the box, which means the mouse is out, and Lee Evans starts freaking out, thinking the mouse is going to sabotage this auction, which... Which, if you just leave the mouse alone. Just leave the mouse alone, and you make so much money. Oh, my God. But no, he tries to kill the mouse in the middle of the auction. I don't know how it happens, but they end up, like, setting... Like someone's hair on fire. Oh yeah, it's a three people a start romp, like dude. choking or something. It's go, it's in lunacy. But the part that I want to just mention, just to it kind of bring this movie closer to a close, um, they take a garden hose and they try and drown the mouse out in this mouse hole. So they put the garden hose through it and turn it on quote full blast. It's a garden hose. It's a garden hose, and it's been maybe, I'll give it 10 minutes, even though it hasn't. It's been two minutes I'd movie say time. Even less. It's, I'm going to say 10 minutes. We're meant to believe that it's filled the house up into the, in the walls all the way around the house of water. Yep. So far that it busts through the walls and watches everybody out the front door Jumanji style. Jumanji style, and Nathan Lane is left standing in the center, in front of the house. It's actually a really cool shot because they do this all practical effects, and you can tell he's standing in front of it, almost like a, a Charlie Chaplin or one of those type movies. It's very evocative of that type of filmmaking, just really dumbed down. Yeah. But uh, as he's saying, this house is gonna stand forever, and it falls down behind him. And uh, yeah, at that point they were gonna go for like $25 million was the, the highest bid at that point. They, they were seeing dollar signs and it all comes down in one second. And uh, yeah, they're left with literally nothing but like one thing of cheese. They go back to their Smoots string factory and they're sitting there for the night like, this is our, we're done. Like, we've got nothing, literally nothing left. Just the cheese. So they start eating the cheese, they fall asleep, and the mouse, the mouse grabs on to the car, like underneath <laughs> it. It's holding on to a pipe underneath the car and follows them to the factory. <laughs> It then steals the cheese while they're sleeping and puts it through the machinery in the string factory. They wake up and they look down and there's this ball of string cheese. This is a biopic on the two guys who created string cheese. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you'd a like true, it to be, you'd like really it to be that. Can you imagine um, if this was their true story of how they became... And, and they're sitting there and they're like, it's string cheese. And they look up. They look up. And the, the mouse, music kicks in, dude. I music love the kicks music, in, dude. And the mouse is sitting staring there, there staring, at staring at them. Like, and they're like, oh. And then, boom, flash to don't know when, but they're a successful business now. Everything's up and running. Everything looks new. Making. And the mouse has a fucking chef's hat on, and it's sitting on Nathan Lane's shoulder. And he's chatting about uh, what flavors they should make next. Yeah, because they turned their into his string cheese factory we pan to the right onto this little card thing that's been there since the very beginning it was how the movie opened up with the same title which i don't know really doesn't make any sense but a world without string is chaos well you'll see you see brandon the the string string (laughs) is represented by the factory when the boys don't work together to produce the string the mouse chaos happens the mouse symbolizes chaos but when the brothers come together and continue the factory like their father wanted uh, chaos ceases dude that's a solid interpretation of this film it was or it could just be a stupid film this this movie dude (laughs) so there are two things i do want to bring up that we didn't touch touch on one of which is the uh dying father's 
painting, this portrait that hangs in the factory that continues to change its facial expressions depending on what's happening in the movie. Yeah, at one point it's smiling up at the mouse. At one point it's scowling at Nathan Lane. Yeah, at one point it's like disgusted at his son's naked ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but and that thing ties into his old one piece of lucky string that he says, like, please never promise to never sell the factory. This string is representative of that promise pretty much. And the mouse winds up eating it. Somehow it gets out of the mouse like throws up the string or something. But what I really want to get into is this mouse's living situation. Okay. So inside the walls of this house was his, his home. And he had a little Altoids like bed with cotton and sheets. And he had a watch and a Hawaii poster that at one point as he's falling asleep and pulling the sheets over his little fucking mouse shoulders, (laughs) he looks at the Hawaii postcard longingly as if, he wants to travel there. What He's is the backstory of this mouse? And it even has like a little Honolulu in the wall, the background, like a like a ukulele or something oh playing the background. Oh my god, dude! He's. I mean, this mouse is living so. It, it, that's the whole thing about this movie. You can look past all the slapstick and all the like kind of weird plots that you don't care about. I cannot and will not get over this mouse, dude. This mouse is the smartest living creature on, on planet Earth. Earth. <laughs> On Earth, <laughs> it has achieved things that humans cannot achieve. I mean, it's just but, unbelievable. But again, like the Hawaii thing is really throwing me for a loop because what is his motivation? Does he want to leave this house? Why is he so intent on staying here? Why can't anyone else live here? And at the same time, is this what his end goal was? Was to destroy the house, or did he want to get closer to the people? Did he want? Them yeah, to was just he leave? trying to teach the brothers a lesson? Was he just trying to get the brothers out of the house? Was the mouse the dad, dude? Was the mouse the dad reincarnated? I, there's reason to believe the mouse is the, the dad. The mouse is one hundred percent the, the dad. mouse was the dad. Yeah. All right, we've solved mouse hunt. That makes so much more Ten sense. Ten years or twenty years later, we have Finally, solved we've mouse cracked hunt. It. Yes. I wonder if the, the writers have talked about this anywhere. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, that's mouse hunt. I mean, we can't really go much further into anything about this movie. So, Brandon, <laughs> what are your thoughts on Mouse Hunt? Well, here are my final thoughts. Uh, Ratatouille fucking ripped it off. Yeah, because oh, for sure. The first mouse... Oh, because he also makes a sandwich in there in at one point where mm-hmm. the mouse to- knows when to- how to toast cheese, uh, bread on one side not to melt the cheese, like some insane shit yeah. that I didn't know about. Ratatouille ripped it off, bro. And no, honestly, my final, my final thoughts, this movie was fun. This movie is fast-paced. Uh, I was never bored. I'm trying to figure out or rationalize how to rate this movie in my mind because at the same time, it's incredibly dumb. Like, really I mean, stupid. Dude, I, 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 I will say this was an impressive movie for 1997 in terms of how it was shot. There's a lot of artistic value in this movie. Yeah. It really is. If you, know, if you look deeper into the making of this film... Uh, a lot of the transitions are really cool. A lot of the shots are really cool. Yeah. Um, it's well done. It's just there are things in it that I, I think if it was billed as a little bit more ridiculous kind of movie, it would have been better off. But sure. it, it's more just like, hey, check out this new slapstick for your kids. But, I mean, it's got this weird time thing that it was supposed to be intentional there's a lot of weird like symbolism that's very glossed over it's a strange movie but 
it's well made. Yeah, it's it's a mix up because there are also moments of like sincere sentimentality with the father dying, yeah. and, and it's but it's kind of well done. It's not some of it's not played for last, which you'd expect it to. And what I really the takeaway from this is what I enjoyed the most, I think, was the tone of this movie because they don't make family movies like this anymore. This, and again, I'm not I'm not endorsing it or anything, but it's just a darker family film that like. You could tell so many people could laugh or watch this movie, and it, it appeals to people across all ages, I feel. This was pinnacle 1990s comedy, because it was violent. Really it violent. It had dark elements to it, and that's what a lot of cartoons and popular movies were back then. Just violent. You can't make Mouse Hunt now. No. and People you, won't see it. You have to rate a PG-13. For sure. And again, I thought this movie was more successful than... I guess it was. Not that it was a bomb or anything like that. I just thought this was a more well-known film because, again, like I said in the beginning, I just never hear people talk about this movie ever. No, it must be a lesser-known movie because I think for kids it was forgettable. Sure. I mean, and that that was what I came So much of it must have gone over kids' heads because watching it, a lot of it, like you go from like one death to like domestic violence or like domestic disputes and it's just like all the topics in it like there's also a lot about financing and like there's listen there is a lot of build-up and plot in this movie that just no kid would understand yes as an adult we could stay with it but i would imagine and i can't all i remember is seeing this in the theaters i don't really remember the experience but i could see myself sitting there as a kid 20 minutes 20 minutes into the movie you still haven't seen a mouse i could see myself getting bored really easily yeah. so i think it uh, and again i this is the theme of this podcast it almost suffers an identity crisis is it a movie that's goofy for adults or is it a kids movie that's kind of what what i'm thinking and it it almost falls into had they made the the central characters little kids the movie becomes like a Home Alone style movie, and because kids are watching other kids, they can relate and immediately they right. fall into that. But where the two lead characters are adult men, are Nathan Lane and Lee, and Lee Evans. Evans, it's just a strange. Like I understand, I think why this movie didn't do as well as it did, or well as I expected it to. Is I think it's just a strange movie where like it could be too dark and too heady for kids, but not smart enough, or you know, it cannot sustain an adult's attention span. True enough. All right. So what what did you say the Rotten Tomato rating was? So it's a 6.4 on IMDb and a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. 42, huh? All right. I'll go first. Um, just because you probably like this movie a little more than yeah, I maybe. do. Maybe. We'll see. But I'm going to say this. For all that it was, um, ridiculous as it was, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I laughed. I, we were laughing the entire time we watched this movie. It's a movie. funny movie. A genuinely it's, you know, funny movie. And it, it, whether you're, it's funny because you're laughing at how stupid it is yep. or because there's a genuine laugh or two in there. I honestly, it's made well, and it was entertaining. It kept my attention. Brandon, I'll give it a fifty. Yeah, <laughs> dude. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna give it a fifty-five. A fifty-five. Uh, right. Again, I can't quite get to that sixty, which would be fresh technically, because uh, we failed to mention a lot of the CG is like that brand new, just getting uh, used to. CG. Pretty bad. Yeah, it looks like a, a, a mouse-shaped blob just moving across the screen. Sometimes yeah. it's but pretty the bad. actual shots of the mouse. Yeah, which they utilize quite a bit. Yeah, really good. Really good. So yeah, I'm gonna say fifty-five. It's an entertaining movie. You can watch it with your family or with your friends and i think you'll have an equally fun time it's it's really dumb though you got to turn your brain off but uh it's entertaining it held my attention potentially one of the highest rated movies we've seen sadly for us yeah, yeah exactly well zach why don't you tell us where we're headed to next week all right so next week 
We are going back to the prehistoric era. Oh boy. Not really. It's actually what what is this early 2000s, I 2001, think. 2001, my 2001, friend. 2001 Jurassic Park 3. Oh, Jurassic- ba- someone argued the best, right? Yeah, the, the best, best of the series. No, the pinnacle of the Jurassic Park series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. easily the worst Jurassic Park movie. It's uh, Everybody calls it the worst Jurassic Park movie. Um, We're going to see, though. Maybe it won't be. Yeah, maybe, maybe it won't it be. Won't maybe, be. It, maybe we like it. Who knows? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I but really we'll do see. doubt it. My, yeah, holy All right. shit. Well, let's wrap it up, though. So just want to remind everybody and thank everybody because we had a lot of new uh, listeners this past week. We are now on iTunes and a lot of other podcasting apps. You can still record all of our or download all of our episodes on Podbean. Um, and we're just excited with the direction it's going. Yeah, so subscribe either on iTunes or Podbean. Rate and review us. That winds up helping later on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, please Tell your friends, like we're always saying, share this and uh, keep this train of chugging. And one more quick thing before we leave. A lot of people asking, uh, yes, I have been accepted into Harvard Law School. I have a roommate assigned to me. His name is Luke. I imagine we'll be great friends. Um, I hope he likes football. Are you expecting me and the listening audience to just kind of act as though your family didn't get you in there, that there isn't, you know, a... You know, Some sort of donation that they, you know, got to kind of grease the wheels for you, you to know get what? in. You can, you can think all you want, but while I'm sitting in Warren School of Law and learning to better myself and yeah. support us in this case against the network, I feel like this is a you, lost you're going to you're going to feel bad. It's going to by the time it's years. This is years and and thousands and thousands of dollars of commitment. Whatever, dude. I'm going to have such a great time with Luke. I'm just at Harvard. Good. No, enjoy Luke. I will. Dude, this is ridiculous. I will. And I'm going to come back. I'm going to protect this podcast. I'm going to protect our listeners. I'm going to protect you and me. Holy shit, dude. Are you going to play off the Mouse Hunt theme song for the end of this, Hiss? Yeah, probably. It's a great song. So uh, enjoy this. And uh, if you're in your car, if you're at the office, if you're running, if you're doing your laundry, if you're taking a dump, just smile and know that you're listening to a good theme score by Alan Silvestri. Thanks for joining us, everybody. (laughs) Thank you very much. Have a good night. Peace.